every believer has work to do for God. We said it at the beginning of the series, but I want to reiterate that today and take a closer look at it as we go into our next section. So dive with me back into Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 2, starting in verse 11. We went through verse 10 last week. Nehemiah chapter 2, starting in verse 11. Bricks and Battles is the series. Every believer has work to do for God. Every believer has a battle to fight that's just real, and they're happening at the same time. Today, we're going to take a little closer look at the work that every believer has to do for God. Um, and as we do, we are going to uncover uh, principles, uh, seven of them, seven principles and one question, okay? So let's go ahead and get started. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 11. So when we left uh, Nehemiah, he had just had his conversation with the king, and now he's on his way to get the job started, to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. And he says this, I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. Uh, I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. By night, I went out through the valley gate toward the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem. This is what he's doing. Which had been broken down and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on toward the fountain gate and the king's pool, uh, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through. So I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or the nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. This is Nehemiah's first move. I find it very interesting. All right, and again, as we go through this passage, seven principles about the work that God has for us to do and how he gets it done. Here's principle number one. God uses leadership to get his work done. Okay. God uses leadership to get his work done. Nehemiah is leading here in these first few verses. Um, Nehemiah is doing this on his own. Right? This is his first move. He goes out in the middle of the night and he evaluates the wall in its current condition. And I find it interesting that he does this. He doesn't immediately pull everybody together yet. And he's got to do that, right? He's got to get the team together to do the work of the wall. But he doesn't do that quite yet. First off, he goes and examines the walls on his own. He takes an evaluation for himself and develops a plan. I love this quote from Warren Wearsby, a uh, famous pastor and author. And he says this, um, Leaders are often awake when everyone else is sleeping. Leaders are often awake when everyone else is sleeping. And this is how God has designed the work of the church and his kingdom to get done. He uses leadership, right? Leadership in different ways. So we've got pastors, we've got teachers, we've also got uh, boards, right? We've got deacons, we have all kinds of things just within the church, but also we see these authority structures at play in other areas of life too. This is how he chooses to get things done. Um, we tend to at times be uncomfortable with leadership. We'd rather be independent, 
um, kind of get things done on our own, uh, and submission to authority doesn't come natural to us. Uh, but this is the one thing I want us to remember as we get started here. Uh, we need to follow our leaders. And I say that to you knowing that I'm the leader of this church. I get that, All right? So, like, well, this is a little bit awkward. No, this is just a principle. This is just how God gets work done. That leaders do their job, right? So Nehemiah is evaluating the wall, figuring out what needs to be done, and formulating a plan, and we follow our leaders. This honors God. It honors God when we do this. That doesn't mean we don't ask questions. It doesn't mean we don't figure things out. I'm not saying that, but ultimately, we follow our leaders. And this is how everything starts, right here in Nehemiah. All the stuff that gets done between now and the end of the book starts with this. I find it interesting that God gives the vision for the project to Nehemiah first. Because God uses leadership to get his work done. What does he want done? He recruits the leader that he wants or the leaders that he wants and gives them the vision for what needs to be done. And so we follow our leaders. We also listen to our leaders too because they say very important things to us. Right? So just within this church, if we're talked to by a deacon or somebody else in leadership, a, a teacher, somebody else who calls us aside, wants to have a conversation with us, we should listen to what they have to say, really, truly, because God wants us to follow leaders. Uh, that's the first principle. God uses leadership to get his work done. Everything that happens in the rest of this book happens because Nehemiah does his work as the leader, and everyone else gets on board with what God wants to do through Nehemiah. We've got to know that. Um, and so we keep reading. All right, that's verse 16. Let's go to verse 17 when Nehemiah gets going. And now he brings everybody in, all right? Now he brings everybody in and he's recruiting everyone to the great grand project of the wall. He says, uh, then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. But when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite, we saw them show up in the previous chapter, the Ammonite official in Geshen, the Arab heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? Remember, he had to get the king to reverse his order about the walls. So they know what that order is. They know that the king doesn't want those walls rebuilt, at least according to that order. But they don't know that the king has reversed it, so they're asking this question. In verse 20, I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. And so we come to the end of chapter 2. And here we get our second principle. Before I give it to you, I'm going to reread the first few verses of this section, but I'm going to emphasize a few different words, and I want to see if you can pick up on where I'm going uh, before we get there. Verse 17, one more time. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. 
I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. Hey, want to know how God does great things through his people? Like this, principle number two. God's work goes best when we remove they and them from our vocabulary and replace them with we and us. I understand this is a little bit of a cultural thing right now, and I don't, I'm not talking about the conversation, but pronouns matter. When we're talking about a team or a group that we're a part of or a family that we're a part of, how we talk about it matters very much. One thing that I want to point out here, uh, did you know, uh, if you are familiar with Nehemiah and the book of Nehemiah in the Bible, uh, you might not know this. I didn't know this, honestly, until I got into the, 